I'm Kieran. And I'm Eve. This is Kitchen Table Cult. We're two quiverful escapees talk about our experiences in the cultish underbelly of the religious right. Hi, Eve. Hi, Kieran. <laughs> How are you? I am pretty good. I have successfully gotten Kaiser health insurance and I have an appointment with an endocrinologist this week, which I've literally been asking for for like over two years. Amazing. And Alameda Alliance has like refused. And now that I'm on Kaiser, like I had an appointment with my doctor last Monday and she was like, I'm going to send you to the trans clinic endocrinologist to help with this. And I was just like, finally. Thank you. Oh my God. (laughs) So I'm getting my hormones fixed and hopefully I'm getting my psych meds fixed this week, which would be so good. Because being under-treated is not a fun experience. But how are you? I am good. I am so close to being done with the summer session, which is like both great because I'm like busy, busy, busy and looking forward to having a whole lot less on my plate next starting next week. But that also means that I'm going to be unemployed for six weeks Hmm. so that's gonna be scary yeah i think life sucks you know like if it was just a regularly salaried job like i'd be fine but like or as it is i'm like i really want to focus on the book and i'm gonna file for unemployment and see what i can do nice good but yeah that's what's new in my world the biggest thing is like the book is back on my brain and i like i'm no longer on uh giving each other the silent treatment terms with it Good. Good. That's progress. (laughs) Yeah, that's huge progress. I have this, like, whole new direction I'm taking it, and I'm really, really pleased with, like, how it's shaping up in my head. And I just need to, like, be free of teaching brain so I can, like, start pounding it out. Nice. That'll be super cool. Remember earlier this year when we were like, oh, I'll just, like, fly over for the summer and hang out. (laughs) I'm gonna cry. (laughs) Yeah, we were, like... Y'all, we didn't talk about this really, but, like, we were planning on having Kieran stay with me for the month of August and just, like, put together a little, like, leaving the cult 101, like, both for people who are leaving Fundydom, but also people who, like, love people who are leaving Fundydom. (laughs) And, um, Fundydom. I, like, I don't think I've said that out loud on this podcast, but that's what I called it in my head for years. Yeah, so... It was going to be great. It's still going to be great. We still have a great outline. We have, like, a whole lot of ideas. It's going to be a very yeah. practical, like, practical thing. But, oh, my God. COVID. Yeah. It was It was such a good, like, moment in February when I was like, yes, we'll, like, work on our book and we'll, we'll get this done and it'll be super cool and we'll fundraise for it. And then it was like, you're never leaving your house again. Oh, like, rude. I mean, we could probably still work on it a little bit this month, but... I feel like, like, my brain can only handle one big writing project at a time. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And oh, I guess that's the other news that I have is I've, so, one, big news. I don't remember if we talked about it last episode. I think but, we mentioned it. But yeah. go ahead, say it again. I stepped down from CRHE as staff, so I'm Oh, no I thought you were going to talk about the incorporation, sorry. Oh, yeah, well, that too. We talked yeah. about that, the incorporation, but the yeah, the CREG stuff we hadn't gone into. Yeah, so I've stepped down to, like, 
free up space for myself to grow as a human being and like work on goals, like being able to pay bills and, and do work. And so I'm starting like this sort of weird, apparently website administration consultancy business thing where I do websites for candidates and stuff and ballot measures and whatever. Um, I'm sorry, what is weird about that? Nothing is weird about that. Nothing is weird about that. Yeah. Um, So that's like been my thing. And it's, I have two clients right now. I have a couple feelers out for some other people and it's going really well. And I've made like a personal milestone where I can actually afford to upgrade our internet. So now I have cable internet and I can like see Eve in real time while we're recording this, which is amazing. It hasn't (laughs) happened in like... Two years. Yeah. So, like, so guys, this entire time we've been recording with Kieran's camera off. So, like, well, there were a handful of times where we did, but like, like, their whole you can't see my facial expression right now, but this is what I'm doing thing was also for my benefit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I was literally describing what I was doing to Eve because we've just had audio only and now there's not like a 20 second lag between us talking and we can oh see God. each other and read body so, language. It's so nice. It was so infuriating. <laughs> this is so much better. I can see your face. It's so yeah, beautiful. It's so good. You can see my like COVID scruff that's happening because I haven't yeah, had the fucks to shave. Some serious beard action happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's like exciting life stuff and then yeah i'm on kaiser because i uh got trans gay incorporated so now i have like my healthcare stuff getting taken care of and it's i feel very successful in meeting some of my like goals where i'm like slowly moving out of poverty and being able to take care of myself and like do things that i want to do and it's this weird amazing it's it's weird because it hasn't happened. Like this is a new thing for me, but it's so nice. <laughs> well, congratulations on incorporating your household and making progress out of the deep dark hole that you had disappeared yeah. into. Yeah, it's so it's so cool out here. I know CAOG is going to miss you, and you did such huge important work there, and they really wouldn't be able to like exist in any form near what they are now without you. So, um, thank you from, from me again <laughs> for all the work that you put into that. We really, <laughs> I'm so proud. It's so important. Yeah. Like I, like I told you this, we talked about this on your goodbye call, but like I, when CREG started, there were a couple other groups going on and it was like, I was sitting there on the cor- corner of the like yard the internet yard watching yeah. this all happen and being like everyone is so fucking traumatized these are going to implode into like trigger echo chambers because like we re-trigger each other yeah like, yep. like it's hard to interact it's with people who haven't done the work right unless you're so self- super self-aware about like what your triggers are and and it was it was true and it did happen and several of the groups don't don't i mean they exist but they they don't function yeah really the way they intended to but CREG has actually like gotten stronger and more stable and i would say largely due to the fact that like you and and Dr. Coleman have put in the work for yourselves personally 
and everybody else benefited from that. So, yeah, good yeah. job. Thank I'm you. happy to be on board with like a group of people who take care of themselves and others. Yeah, I'm. That was like when we started CRHE. That was a huge part of our like founding conversations was acknowledging that we all have triggers and mm-hmm. being very aware of when we are triggered and stepping back when that happens. And that was like something that we worked really hard early on to establish in our culture where it's like, okay, we know that this work is going to be hard and triggering and we have to be able to step away and not like engage while triggered because implosions are just everywhere waiting to happen. <laughs> Yeah, so another big thing that's been going on is my sister's here with me for a month. You know, she was living in D.C. and was living with her boyfriend and working in the cannabis industry up there. And COVID happened and she and her boyfriend are taking some space. So she came down to stay with me for a little reset. And, like, we are the only two of our family who've, like, done regular therapy, as far as I know, in terms of the siblings. And we're both, like, super into astrology. So we were both like, okay, so here's the transits for our time together. Here's how we need to plan about how we communicate with each other. Here's our expectations. Here's how we, like, put a pin in things when we're triggered. And it's actually been really good. We've had, like, a couple intense days where it's, like, we're both just, like, crawling out of our skin with triggers. But we've been able to take time away and come back and decompress, debrief together. Um, and it's been really good, but I don't, I can't imagine doing this kind of work with someone from my family without having like that kind of like framework already in place. Like it makes such a huge difference. Um, when you're self-aware, it makes everything so much easier and can actually like move forward on things, which we've been able to do. That's so good. It's so good. She's, like, finally, she landed a job. She's working, starting it remotely. She's looking for an apartment and a car. But, like, she's, like, well on her way to move back um, up there August 1st. And she's, like, I'm sad I'm leaving already. Aww. It's, <laughs> like, yeah, it's been short. Yeah. Aww. Yeah. It's been nice. That's so um, good, though. I know. I know. Okay. So, we have a lot of scattered shot things we want to talk about don't we yeah we do we have a whole whole list of things that kind of all eventually roll into each other mm-hmm. <laughs> but i guess we should start at like the top can, can we start at the top with the larger external world and then work our way into the niche stuff and then back into the external world yeah that sounds good barry weiss has left the new york Times. What? She self-canceled this this last week. Amazing. And it got announced this morning. Um, for those of you who don't know who Barry Weiss is, uh, <laughs> how would you describe her, Kieran? You know, I tried to, like, avoid all of her stuff. So okay. I don't have a good description of her because I'm just like... As I understand it, she's Jewish and a lesbian. Dated um, what's her face from SNL for a minute. Yeah, and basically came to uh, her place in the cultural critique chair that she has occupied for a bit through 
rabble-rousing, largely on Twitter. A lot of her initial spats that she started were basically any, like, academic who was publicly critical of the state of Israel, she would call anti-Semitic and try to get them fired. Sure. That's a short and, like, yeah. real, real ugly version. And then she's just kind of carried on in that vein with, like, other kinds of things. Like, and she was one of the signers of The Letter that was came out from right. Harper's last week, which has dominated Twitter with the, like, rare exception of, like, surprise cake Twitter. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that. Oh, my God. Surprise cake Twitter. Surprise cake Twitter. It's it upsetting. confused me for for several days because I thought people were like just rediscovering Portal, and then I was like, "Oh no, it's all of those oh YouTube everything is cake things." Uh yeah, no, I have I've had the Portal song <laughs> stuck in my head for days because of this, and I haven't even ever played the game. But yeah, so so the the Harper's letter was basically like, we can't have controversial opinions in public because there are consequences now. This is bad. Yeah. And, yeah, you can say whatever the fuck you want, but, like, we can tell you that you're a piece of shit. Right. That's that's also us saying whatever the fuck this we is, want. Like, it goes two ways. This is part of the contract. Like, and it's like, not just you. All of these people are well-off, well-paid. Like... Huge platforms. Th- huge platforms. They're not going to be impoverished. No. By losing a job because they said something stupid, unlike you or me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so the, yeah. the, the, the very, like, nature of their complaint is just, is just so myopic. And so a lot of, a lot of the discourse, the discourse, quotes, <laughs> have been, has been talking about this in the whole, like, cycle. Which brings me to a like a, a sub niche Christian world drama scandal yeah. scandal, I guess is I hate that word. I mean, like it sounds so much more salacious than like the actual like evil that's behind it. But yeah, um, someone who like advocated for accountability in a mega church scandal a couple of years ago is now being held accountable and really doesn't like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is you, doing everything they can to, like, stop it from happening, because, of course. So, so you're, this, this church is local to you. What, what do you know about it from living around it? I don't actually know that much about it because it's in the city. And by the city, I mean it's not in Oakland. It's in San Francisco. Okay. So it's, it's pretty far away from me. But, like, it actually hasn't been surprisingly a huge part of local discourse interesting most of like there's some articles on it but like most people are more concerned about the virus than they are about a pastor of a mega church because there's not well yeah because like the pastor of the mega church (laughs) is is gonna get a couple kids traumatized for life and it's not gonna necessarily kill every citizen potentially right Uh, yeah (laughs) Right. Uh, we haven't so. we have named this church. This church is Menlo Park. How big is it? I like actually don't know. I, I get the impression that it's like the same size as CLC Covenant Life Church, the the flagship of Sovereign Grace Ministries was. But yeah. I don't actually know that for sure. So let me check this part out. 
Yeah, that's always been my impression too, but I've never bothered to look it up because I never bothered to find out about Menlo. I was mostly surprised that like it was in San Francisco. Yeah, no, it was like, actually it's this exact same size as the exact same size as CLC was. So, it, um, according to a 2014 article, it's approximately 4,000 people, which tracks. That's about the same size that Covenant yeah. Life was. Um, it's a Presbyterian church, and it was lo- like the pastor John Ortberg was pretty involved in the Willow Creek church scandal and like holding those leaders accountable for their bullshit. And so has this like glossy reformer image publicly. Mm -hmm. Um, But what happened? Well, (laughs) turns out they figured it'd be worth their time to just protect and enable a pedophile and give them unfiltered access to children and shut down anyone who says otherwise and wants to investigate and are actively impeding like the investigations that are occurring and trying to save face and not not happy about the fact that people are like hey this is a problem that you should fix and not sweep under the rug Right. I want to go through the timeline real fast. Yeah. So the reason all of this is like hitting the news is because John Ortberg's son, Danny Lavery, Daniel Lavery, who is a fairly well-known writer from his work on The Toast and his work as Dear Prudence for Slate, doing the advice column, has brought public attention to this because he was like left out of the loop on the deep dark family secret until November and when he learned about what was going on he's like well this is the obvious like appropriate accountable thing to do Mm -hmm. and everybody was like oh no 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 we're not gonna do that yeah, you'll ruin you'll ruin this person's life who is terrible and has probably ruined other people's image lives. Image that we've created. Yeah. yeah. So he like publicly divorced himself from his family, changed his name, uh, got a disinherited knight from Ivanhoe related tattoo, like did the whole <laughs> nine yards. It was great. Um, yeah. But didn't disclose the identity of the pedophile in question. So what happened, let's back this up. July 2018, John and Nancy were approached by a person who was sexually attracted to children. This is from RuthHutchins.com. She's a, a member of the church who's been documenting this. And this person was a was up until recently identified as a volunteer. Shared incompetence and unwanted thought pattern of attraction to minors. Assured John, that they had not acted on it. John suggested prayer and counseling and encouraged the this individual to continue working with kids, volunteering, working both with the church, with overnight travel with minors for another gig and for mission strips. And like considered they like they both like privately considered this to be like therapeutic exposure therapy. And 
was going to like fix the problem. No. Which that is not how that works. Right. There's a whole thing about like the the concept of virtuous pedophile that like I haven't dug into a lot to understand, but as far as I know, the ones who are like non-offending pedophiles, self-identified pedophiles, like they don't go and seek out exposure therapy. <laughs> right. Like, they that's, like that's... on purpose self-identify as a like, hey, don't let me be alone with kids and then try to avoid it. Yeah. And this person is doing the exact opposite. Yep. So um, fast forward to November 15th, 2019, where this got revealed to Danny by this individual and the parents. And Danny was like, and you're still encouraging this person to interact with minors. That's a hard stop. Yeah. Deal breaker. We can't endorse this. This is not ethical. So Danny wrote uh, to the person in question with the names of therapists specializing in work with pedophiles who want to avoid harming children. I encourage them to seek treatment. This is from his statement. Um, and resign all volunteering positions working with children, which they did. My wife and I, this is Grace Lowry, his wife, um, also wrote to my father, encouraging him to disclose every aspect of this affair to the elders at Menlo Church. He did not. At this time, Danny published the letter to the volunteer. Uh, or It was later, a little later. but And then a, a snippet to the letter to John Ortberg about this whole situation and then made an appeal to the staff and published it on Twitter in uh, end of June. And so what's been revealed is from this letter is that the volunteer in question was Danny's younger brother, Johnny and Johnny uh, had not been, uh, I don't know, like just the, the, the recommendations had not been taken seriously and Johnny was still having unfettered access to minors. And that's why Danny went ahead and was like, all right, cool. We're going to name this yep. because this is a serious concern and, and no one is doing anything about it. Yeah. And Danny had been told before back in November that like, don't reveal this person's identity. They might commit suicide, which is like a classic uh, abusive control tactic. Yep. Yep. It's so fucked up. So it's just been kind of spiraling where it's like, this is a huge deal. This church is a big mega church. Like this should be making national news. If COVID wasn't a thing, if the black lives matter revolution wasn't, you know, dominating the news cycle. Like, if things were quiet, yeah. this this would be a big deal. But there's a whole other layer that they believe is helping the media ignore them. You want to talk about that? Yeah. So, like, the response from Danny's family is basically like, well, you don't get to say this because you're trans. And it's like... That is bullshit, but it speaks to kind of the mentality that, like, people have in this, like, religious sect where it's, like, 
Well, it kind of fits into the whole right wing thing of like making gay people evil and scary and trans people evil and scary by fear mongering about them being pedophiles. And they're like, well, obviously, like trans people are danger because something, <laughs> something, something dangerous children if well, they're in the bathroom. That- like, it's the slippery slope fallacy that they constantly pull out where it's like, yep. well, if we allow trans and gay people to exist in public, the trans people are going to assault children, little girls in the women's bathroom. And, you know, if we allow gay marriage, what's next? Pedophilia. Right. And bestiality. Yeah. They like jump like, like these are the jump same like thing. that. Yeah. What? Even my mother, even my like, formerly conservative like quasi-centrist now mother like is like yeah kids can't consent yeah like animals can't consent kids can't consent this is why it's wrong like there's there's a clear difference here and you can't just jump down that path yeah yeah but that's what they do to discredit any queer trans person calling them out for abusive behaviors they're like well you are already an abomination because you shouldn't exist and you're clearly bad and we are going to say that you do these bad things too even though you're calling us on it for good reason yeah it was it was like incredibly smarmy for them to like mm-hmm. <laughs> like come at it with this well, we've tolerated you because both Grace and Danny are trans. We've tolerated you being trans just in the same way that we tolerate Johnny being a pedophile. Right. Because those are the same thing. Right. In their mind, they are. Mm-hmm. Which is like... Yeah. It's such bullshit. And I like... I hope this is not new to everybody so and that I'm just going to go off on a little rant. Um, but if, in case it isn't, I'll try to find you the, the like source notes on this. Like All of the bludgeon texts from the New Testament about homosexuality are in reference to the Roman practice of pedophilia. And it's all about non-consenting relationships. Yep. It has nothing to do with adult consenting relationships. There's a kitten in my house, sorry. So <laughs> she, cute. She just woke up. Um, kittens can't consent and neither can little boys. And that's like the point of all of those texts. But like when yep. they get translated through the ages, like this conservative agenda gets transposed on this and like isn't this like one of the things that was so controversial about the niv coming out probably i can't remember the details but it was like the niv was like soft on like gender issues in its translation it was too liberal therefore conservatives wouldn't use it right and and it's this, like, this translator's agenda. And this is why the ESE was developed, like, as a competitor to it, because it was, like, we're going to reinforce these, like, gender binaries and this, like, mm-hmm. hardline stuff in yeah. our translation. We're going to translate with this agenda. And, like, 
yeah, that's that's exactly what happened. And this is like the kind of stuff that like has been happening for centuries with like the erasure of Junia, the like female mm-hmm. apostle, and the erasure of Mary Magdalene as like just a sex worker when she yep. was actually like an incredibly wealthy woman who like basically bankrolled Jesus's ministry. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We don't get taught that because the translation agenda went one way and it has this kind of impact. It has consequences like this moment. Yeah. Yeah. Because now all of these fundamentalists take these texts that aren't about being gay at all and are like, see, because you're queer, obviously you feel this way and are a danger to society. And it is such bullshit. And they pull that out whenever they can to discredit people who are queer for being like, hey, you're like fucking up here. You should maybe follow the Bible about taking care of people instead. I think there might be something here too about like the cult of female virginity. Oh, for sure. Because these, the, this person is attracted to young boys mm-hmm. and sexual assault of men is not taken extremely seriously in this world. Yeah. Well, like, okay. So I'm like fresh off of just finishing, um, Robert Evans, uh, policing series from behind the bastards. And like, one of the things that like he talks about is how Which is, like, it's classic. We all know this history, or should know this history, about, like, all of the... A lot of the lynchings that happened were centered around a false accusation of a white woman getting Mm -hmm. sexually assaulted or harassed by a black person. And, like, like they went so far as to bait them with, like, white men in dresses, like, getting offended. Oh, my God. Like, getting on the street. Yeah. So, yeah. as an excuse to just, like, kill a person of color in order to make a point about white supremacy. Yep. And and this tradition has been used as a bludgeon for forever. Like, anyone who doesn't fit the heterosexual, cis, white supremacist church mainline, like is suddenly a threat and what's the easiest thing to throw out at that threat to get people mad is like protecting white girls virginity. Yep. Which is like also driving the pro-life movement. Yep. That's it's like all it's behind yeah. all of it. It's that cult. Yep. Yeah. It's real fucked. Yeah. It's been happening for forever. Yeah. So this was fun. It's another thing where it's like you and I are like, I was talking to Grace about this a little bit. Um, and it's like, Kieran and I are old hat. And Grace grew up in, like, a whole different world. Mm-hmm. She's British. She didn't grow up in this community. And she just keeps getting so shocked. This is Danny's, <laughs> yeah. this is Danny's wife. I, like, stuff that's happening and, like, the arguments that are being made. And it's just like, who does this? Well, <laughs> turns out... Turns out, <laughs> lots, lots of people. Welcome to the Christian fundamentalist movement in the U.S. Sorry, so sorry, so but, so sorry. Yeah, 
Yeah, a lot of this, like, this whole reaction is par for the course, and it's stuff that we've seen happen multiple times Mm -hmm. before. And I don't... Someone on Twitter was like, so what happens to, like, the pastors when (laughs) when they need to, like, step down? And I'm like, so the punishment, the punishment that the church gives on pastors who are implicated in severe, problematic, like, things like this are they get a paid vacation and a book deal. Mm-hmm. And or- John Orberg already runs a publishing, whatever. He does a lot of book His publisher is, is Tiny Dow House, and he hasn't he hasn't had any consequences yet. Tiny Dow House is like, we're going to wait and see. He's not canceled yet. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. So, you know, if, if, like, the... If they get their act together what that's going to look like is he's going to be on paid leave again to figure out like his family and get right with god and what will happen at the end of this is he'll have a book and that's that's how these people get punished oh my god that reminds me you remember for nate yeah did you see what he said about his husband's parents no yeah you did yeah you know what i'm talking about don't you Ah. So his husband has parents who were pastors and basically disowned him when he came out and totally like have gone. Oh, the, yeah. Like, hardcore I victim route. Yeah. Yeah. They've gone the hardcore victim route of like, you know, the prodigal son kind of thing, which is like a joke because like that's not what that word means. But like, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to. Read this the post about the book, or maybe not the post, when... not his post, but like his parents' post. So don't read like Nate or Mike's Michael's uh, post, but like the parents' post is like a particularly egre- egregious. Yeah, I have the um, screenshot up, so that's like announcing the book. Yes, and the book, the book's title is called "When the Prodigal Is Your Prodigal." Glorifying God through the brokenness of losing a child to the world. And the the little blurb they wrote about it is this summer, Kim and I will be completing a project that we believe will be profitable to many people. We hope this book will help provide direction, comfort, and hope to those who agonize over the loss of a loved one to the world. So, foreshadowing... <laughs> A bit. Just a little bit for, like, how this goes. Like, I love Michael's response to it. He was like, I don't know about what they mean because I'm actually, like, extremely frugal. Right? (laughs) Yeah, it's just this, like, either they're going to spin it one of two ways. Like, they're going to spin it in the direction of, like, we are... The victims here, woe is us, our children have abandoned the Lord and are flaming perverts and look how faithful we are. Or mm-hmm. they're going to take the route that like plays off of that whole like that whole New Testament teaching that the, the pastor with a rebellious son who's fallen away from God can't serve in ministry. Yeah. Because he doesn't have control over his house, his house is not in order. Which I think that was, like, in relation to, like, children, actual children, not adults. Yeah. Like, that's a whole other thing. Yep. 
But it's been used as a bludgeon for pastors who have children who like leave the faith over yep. and over again to get them out of their, their ministry roles. So they could take that route and be like, oh, we had to step down because of this. And like, you know, we just like, we fucked up so bad with our kids. And like, here's like how you can not make our same mistakes. Which, given the level of confidence and like ignoring Danny and Grace that they've maintained throughout all of this, I doubt they'll go to that direction, but also, whew. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, in about a year, we'll see if uh, John Ortberg has a new book about whatever. <laughs> uh, it's so. It's so ridiculous. And like the, just like the way that so many conservative Christians like conflate being queer or trans with being a pedophile to the point where they would rather save the pedophile than the queer trans people is frustrating and absurd and like not at all surprising, but very telling of like their priorities and how much they really follow the Bible, which is not very. <laughs> well, didn't like Grace say something about like a pedophile is like the perfect sinner to like Probably. for the salvation story where she was like, because like all they have to do is like abstain. Yeah. And it's like they're protecting the innocence of children by doing so. And like it, that's the ultimate sacrifice. Yeah. And then they get that good redemption arc and everyone in the church is like oh wow you have such a good testimony oh it's oh, so so hero. look at god using you local hero yeah and so children. then then you know he gets elevated into the status and everyone is still like well but being trans makes you an abomination in the eyes of god so fuck you <laughs> okay so this segs into the thing that you wanted to bring in go for it oh yeah yeah so speaking of of trans, uh, our favorite and cancel culture uh, not being real because people still get book deals, right? Ah, it's such bullshit. <laughs> like, all right, so I have it. I've like stayed out of the J.K. Rowling discourse because I've had like too much other shit going on to even bother to engage. But I've been watching, right? And it is ridiculous, and so. This, like, kind of comes back to the Harper's letter with all these folks being like, well, we don't, we don't think that we should be called out for our takes because that is not free speech. And, well, actually, hold on. I copied down what their, <laughs> what their actual, actual words were yeah, in it, the get letter. Yeah, get it, get it straight. Which was, we need to preserve the possibility of good faith disagreement without dire professional consequences. And that good is Good faith means rich. You preserve class and oppressive structures. Yeah. Yeah. And so the kind of context around this letter is that for the last like month and a half, she who will not be named has been tweeting really terrible transphobic bullshit and actively like harming trans people in the UK by advocating for basically conversion therapy 
for trans No, people. like, she used the words conversion therapy in her, like, one of her latest statements, like... Yeah, and her pseudonym is actually the name of some dude who, like, did a bunch of conversion therapy stuff. Yeah, like, one of the, like, forerunners of the field yeah. of conversion it's therapy. Yeah, it's like, I don't remember Robert what the name is. Yeah. Yeah, it's Galbraith. Robert Galbraith. Um, yeah. Yeah, so... One of their arguments that keeps coming back to things is that they keep coming back to is the whole these consequences are unfair because we should be able to like have diverse opinions. Right. And people disagreeing with you on the internet is apparently too much of a consequence. Well, it is like people disagreeing with me on the internet about their right to life. Yeah. Um, and, like, stable mental health is right. oppressing me. Yeah. And that's, and that's what's so bullshit is because, like, here's the thing about good faith disagreement. Everything that Rowling has been arguing and saying and promoting on Twitter, none of that is in good faith. All of that, like, blanketly just, like goes after trans people saying that we are bad and wrong. If you're, like, a trans woman, then you're a threat. And if you're a trans man, then you are just a lost, gullible woman who couldn't find it within herself to fight for being a woman because you were tricked into thinking it'd be better to be a man, which is such well, it's bullshit. Well, it's I don't know if you've watched The L Word, but it's the speech that um, Kit Porter... So Kit Porter is a sister... And the older sister of Bet, who's one of the main characters. And Kit is straight. She's one of the few straight characters. And she interacts with Max, who's a trans man. She's one of the first trans characters on t- television to get, like, a full, like, story arc and not get killed off, right? And he, he gets a horrible story arc. Like, they really, really, like, treat him so badly as a character. It's, like, full of transphobic bullshit. There's this, mm-hmm. there's this painful to watch now. But when he announces that he's transitioning, Kit has this whole conversation with him where she's like, it sucks that we're losing all of our best women. Like, we need more butches. We're losing our butches to this whole thing. And, like, that's, like, an important part of our community, and we need to have that. So Kit has a speech, and and it's really... uh, Kit often gets given this outside voice that kind of seems to be what the, like, actual show writers think and believe. Mm. And so that speech is, like, especially painful for um, those of us who love our, our trans people dearly because it's, like, that's the, that's the argument that Rowling is making. It's, yep. like, you are giving up on womanhood. Like, we suffered together. Why are you going to the enemy? Yeah. Yeah, which is, like, so frustrating. And the other thing that's really frustrating about this discourse is that all of, like, the trans mask people are just being erased. And, like, there is weird... It's so, so terrible and and frustrating. And uh, I'm just so angry about it. 
How are they? I had so I'm gonna, I'm gonna drag that, this out like, of you. How are they being erased? So like, in in Rowling's world, we don't exist. Mm-hmm. Only only trans women exist, and then like because you're just like a confused dyke, right? So so much of the discourse is is focusing on like trans women, which is correct and good, but also like anytime the transphobic like discussion that is erasing trans mass people are here it's like as an afterthought it's like oh yeah and also like i guess trans men exist too yeah it's like oh and also this hurts trans men yeah and it's like well yeah and it really hurts us a lot actually because we hear this all the fucking time like we are told all the time that we are not real that we are just mistakes and like honestly this kind of brings up a lot of stuff for me because in 2013, when we started CRHE, we had a different executive director, and uh, <laughs> ancient, this person... Ancient and dark history here. This is part of why yeah. I didn't join CRHE then. <laughs> yeah. This person was so transphobic to me, and terrible, and, like, every single time that we interacted, she would always, like, try to have these conversations with me that centered around... Why wasn't I just accepting of my womanhood? Like, why did I hate women so much? Why, why did, why did I hate myself so much? How come, like, you know, I can, I can make all these choices as a woman. I don't have to be not a woman. And I'm like, that's not how this works. How recently out were you when that happened? I was very recently out. Like, I came out that same year. Okay, so she was, she was still like, there's a chance to persuade them. Yeah. And Fuck. every single interaction we had, including, like, while, like, I went down because she lived in Massachusetts and I lived in Maine. And so a couple of us went out and, like, hung out for a thing. And I went down and the entire train ride, she was just talking to me about shit like nail polish and, like, how to do makeup and stuff. And was, like, really pressuring me into having all these conversations that were really awkward for me at the time because she was pushing an agenda of trying to prove to me that I was a woman, actually, even though I wasn't. It was like the, like, I'm going to teach you how to be femme properly and you, like, only have these feelings because you never figured it out because of homeschooling. Ew. Yeah, yeah. And so that's, like, the kind of stuff that... J.K. Rowling is is pulling and telling people and everyone who's defending her is also engaging in where it's like trans women are threats and and obviously that is wrong and awful and and bullshit but also the subtext like, yeah and there's this other like huge and insidious part that is really 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 hurting the trans mass community which is we are not being seen or believed in our truth like no one we are just being written off as like lost women who don't understand things which is just i guess it kind everything of, that we've been fucking fighting against well it, and it's like it echoes all of the the biphobia stuff and the historical erasure of lesbians is like not real because there's no penetration like yep. also you don't know that and fuck you <laughs> Right, um, exactly. But it's like none of the you like the it's the whole you aren't real thing continued all all the way through. Yeah, 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 and it's just like so. It like really kind of gets to like the core because it's just saying like you 
your entire identity and understanding of yourself isn't valid because we disagree with it. And that is not how that works. And you do not get to say those things and be like protected from any any blowback on that because you are telling people that they don't exist when they do. And and that is not a good faith argument. So you do not get to stand on that and be like, no, it's free speech. We should disagree politely and get to police people. I, I, I feel like one of the things that's missing from our conversation here is a working definition of good faith argument. But like, is yeah. it part of what comprises a good faith argument is the fair, like giving fair room and... Uh, I like want to say assuming the best of, but like that's not what I'm thinking of. But just like accepting the terms that the other person is coming from for the terms of the debate. So like this whole, um, it's like improv where someone brings something and you're like, yes, and you can't say no to it, to this new mm-hmm. concept or like, and and that in a good faith debate you assume like this person's reality is real. Exactly. In the same way that you would in improv. Yeah. Yeah. And none of that is is what's happening with Rowling and a bunch of these people signed this letter that like if you hadn't followed the last month and a half of her vitriolic attack on all trans people like it it reads pretty benign and it's like yeah like sure we should be you mean the Harper's nice letter. to people. Yeah, the Harper's letter. Well, and I think that's why they got some people on there like Noam Chomsky and stuff like it's like it's so vague that if you're not, uh, like, very online, you yeah. could miss it and be like, yeah, everybody should be able to say whatever they want. Free speech, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But that's not not the subtext of, of what that was about. The whole thing is really just, like, being like, well, we're tired of people calling us out for being transphobic bigots, and you shouldn't get to do that. And... It is such bullshit. Well, and I think this, like, to come full circle on it, like, this is a lot of the same things that we ran into with our parents when we tried to argue with them with the assumption of good faith for our liberation. Yep. Early on when we were trying to leave, like, you and I both ran into, like, this whole process of, like, my parents respect me. Therefore, I can make a... like an appeal and be heard and we can reason through it and come out on the other side with an agreement. And that wasn't the case when like, I was looking this up the other day for memoir stuff. Like when my father pulled the, you can't, you can't kiss your boyfriend without my permission. That's like an active rejection of my authority as your father. I was like, but you said, like, uh, two weeks ago that I was an adult and could make my decision about which church I wanted to go to. Yeah. What gives? And he made me go, like, he was like, okay, so find the biblical definition of an adult, and, like, then we'll talk about it. And I was like, (laughs) did the work. I did the fucking work. And it's, I, like, looked at it the other day, and I was like, this is still, like, a really solid, like, five-page theological, like, breakdown of this concept. Yeah. And... And he never responded to me in writing, but when we talked next, he was like, we're going to agree to disagree. Because what I found was, at age 20, 
you were counted for the census and you were able to uh, be drafted into the military. And so I, I considered that to be, you know, the Old Testament, quote, quote, biblical age of adulthood. And there was nothing in the New yeah. Testament that challenged it. And all of his, you know, passage interpretations about like, oh, well, fathers can like veto the vows of their daughters is like a complete misinterpretation, a mistranslation. And it's actually about husbands and wives. Mm-hmm. Or engaged couples, and and the whole thing was like I I clearly like stood my ground and was like I'm 21 and I can do this. Like you need to respect me as an adult. Yep. And he was like, we're gonna have to agree to disagree on this. And I was like, oh, so you don't play by your own rules? Yeah. This is not a good faith debate. I'm yep. out. That was my moment of like, nope, you can't win. By his own, like, I beat him by his own rules and he wouldn't concede, so this was yeah. not a fair fight. This is not a good faith argument. And it's the same, it's the same attitude. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly, exactly what's happening with the rallying stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whew. Um. <laughs> oh, we've got so much more we could cover, too. <laughs> uh, speaking of parents, let's just hit it yeah. on this real fast. My mom has tentatively agreed to come on as a guest. And what? Right? She just finished her graduate certificate program last night. She finished her last bit of homework for it. Uh, nice. she's in It's in public health. And she was like, as soon as I finish school, we can talk. Um, so if you have questions for my mother, send them in. Um, we're gonna, she asked me to send her some in advance, so get them in soon. Um, and we can start prepping for that. I'm very excited. I think it'll be a good conversation. That is exciting. Yeah. Super cool. Uh, that will be a good faith dialogue. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Man. (laughs) Man. Okay. The internet lately, the world right mm. now is just so much. There's like four other things we could talk about. Well, this could be a two-hour episode if we wanted to. Yeah, or we could. Um, we could table make it. it into just another episode. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's table some things. Quick announcement. I thank you to one of our our listeners. I just got a copy of Devotedly, The Personal Letters and Love Story of Jim and Elizabeth Elliot by Valerie Elliot Shepard, their child, their only child, Ah. because I wanted to do my own investigation on an article that was going around this last week that was arguing that Jim Elliot was gay. And I agree with that reasoning, possibly. Um, I, I have read... Elliot's stuff extensively as a kid and the I feel like there's a lot of cherry picking in the academic there's like a lot of like guesswork that's happening in that article right and I yeah. I'm like I want to like I want to go source this myself so I'm going to go through it and see what I can find in this like new newly released version of the, their letters their correspondence that's so like new di- material Huh. And uh, come up with my own, uh, yeah, my own opinion on it. That sounds exciting. Yeah, yeah. I think I need to be stoned when I read it, though. 
<laughs> yes, that would that would be wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What else do we have here? The thing that is really important for us to mention um, is that you know everything is a lot right now with the pandemic and schools are who knows what is happening. Like one of the things we were going to talk about was Devos and her, her school opening. And we'll do that next episode. But the important thing to know is that if you are thinking about homeschooling and you want to do it well, and you want advice from like people who've been homeschooled and know the pitfalls to avoid and people who've been researching homeschooling in every state and know how to like do it well in every state. And know how to create uh, a like super solid curriculum like, based off of, like, actual, like, professional <laughs> curriculum development standards. Yes. Yeah, that will, like, keep your kid from falling behind when school eventually does reopen by following Common Core and whatnot. Uh, CRH is offering a course for people to get started, and it's eight weeks. The tuition is $300, but it's on a sliding scale, so if you can't afford that tuition, just email them and they can help you out. And they will take you through the process of developing like a lesson plan and curriculum, being able to assess goals to make sure that your child is learning and retaining the information, help you do it well and work with like your state, understand your state's guidelines and requirements for their grade. And um, you'll get like a bunch of really good feedback from people who are invested in making sure that your child or children get the best education that you can possibly give them during this pandemic and will help you make that happen and give you all the tools and resources that you need. So go check that out. We will link that in the notes. It's responsiblehomeschooling.org slash courses. And it's going to be really great. I helped look over the curriculum development and it's super, super good. Yeah, it looks and really definitely good. worth it. So if if you don't want to send your kids to potentially be exposed to the pandemic again, right as cold and flu season starts up, and you don't know where to start with homeschooling, we've got you at CRHE. And also, I just want to like put in a, a like a little plug here, like having six months without like super formal schooling and a lot more play and rest than like an organized routine is not going to hurt your kids. Yeah. I had seasons like that in my homeschooling and like of all of the academic like deficiencies, that was not one of them. Having that kind of flexibility, like in reaction to life being a lot is, you know, if you, that's a regular thing, that's a problem. But like, a one-off this year, like, it's not going to ruin your kids' future. It's not going to set them super behind. Like, there will be some catch-up to do. But everybody in the whole community is going to be struggling with this, too. So yeah. you're, it's not like, you're, uh, like your child will be falling behind alone. And it's, it's traumatic. We are going through, like, a, so, like a trauma as a society, this yep. whole thing is super intense and letting we kids all have rest. PTSD now. Yeah. We all have PTSD from it. Um, 
And one of the ways to prevent PTSD from getting worse is to like not pretend that it didn't happen. Yeah. Um, so if you can't do it, like go through the course, get the information, but like also don't don't like beat yourself up if you just end up letting your kids take a breather. Yeah. That's normal. And that's that's part of CRHE's approach as well, is like the whole point of homeschooling is to be flexible and things like that and to understand that like some days it might just not happen and that's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You can you can move on, you can take it one day at a time and that's totally valid. You don't have to sit for eight hours a day with your kid trying to get them to do the same stuff they would do in a classroom. <laughs> that is not sustainable. You are not meant to do that. It's a bad idea. <laughs> um, and then, okay, I'm going to plug one other thing that's uh, going to be a one-off, but... And so, like, we won't usually do this, but I, um, I've been putting in some volunteer hours for a local campaign for city council in Roanoke. This woman is named Kaisha Preston. Um, we'll put her link in the show notes. It's votekaishapreston.com. She is a, a, an activist, a single mom, an educator, uh, and a black woman living in Roanoke. And she um, got out of an abusive marriage and ended up writing the domestic violence Victims Protection Act that got signed into law Ooh. this March by Governor Northam. Um, she's testified before Congress about policy challenges to helping do- uh, domestic violence victims. She is super involved in a couple uh, nonprofits in the area. She has experience- personal experience with gun violence and is like for gun control. And she basically basically due to filing deadline snafus wasn't able to register as a democrat to get on the ballot had to actually like put together a lawsuit to get on the ballot at all as an independent she won it so she is going to be on the ballot for city council for november um but seeing as the city council just voted to increase funding for the police department me and my friends here in Roanoke think it's really important to get her on city council so that she actually gets heard so that we actually have someone who's a leftist up there. Yeah. Do you, yeah. Like, when we, you know, we have a, we have a, we have a mayor who was, who's a former cop and like, we need yeah. to have some more diverse opinions on that city council to like actually move forward with stuff. So she, because she's not able to, she wasn't able to register as a Democrat and was running as an independent, is not able to access a lot of the funding from, like, Emily's List or the local Democratic Party, and she's not able to access the campaign lists that they would normally just hand off, hand over mm. for free. So she's trying to raise right. money um, to get access to those mailing lists so we can start phone banking for her. We're very close to that goal, and so that's why I'm doing this one-time plug of, like, if you have the ability to go to donate a little bit toward her campaign so that she can get this phone list. I would, I would really appreciate it. You know, she's just, she's just really impressive and is doing good work. And I will shut up about that now. <laughs> it's that's a, so cool. Yeah. Vote Kaishapreston.com. And that's the end of my ad. Amazing. That's great. Yeah. It's so exciting. It is exciting. Okay. So I guess that's it. Yeah. Oof. Thank you for listening, everybody. 
Thank you for joining, for joining us. us for this uh, cool ride through all of the levels of transphobia that exist right now <laughs> <laughs> between between churches and between authors of really good uh, books and everything else. Complicated. It's so frustrating. It's yeah. It's yeah. Oh, I guess I do have like one last thought on the Rowling subject, which is... You literally uh, have the mic. Go for it. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, there's always this sort of conflict between differentiating the art from the artist, and a lot of people have different feelings about that. And my feeling about it as someone who makes art frequently and stuff is that... And as someone who has a Deathly Hallows tattoo... And as someone who has a Deathly Hallows tattoo, and my best friend has a last name from the books, and, like, this has been, the Harry Potter story has been a huge part of, like, kind of my coming out into the world and understanding how things work and processing trauma and, like, finding myself in weird ways. And as, as a creator, I know that, like, if I ever got canceled, I would still want people to find the value in my work because my work exists outside of myself. And I feel like for folks who are struggling with feelings about Harry Potter, given that Rowling is such a horrible, terrible person, just pretend she doesn't exist and didn't write the book. <laughs> like the story, the story and what you got from it, the the parts that impacted you and how you interpret it and read it and the art that you like spawned because of it, like all of the fanfics and whatever that is yours. That is your interpretation and that is your experience of the work. And that is valid regardless of whatever it is that Rowling says, like she can't take that from you because that is what you brought to the table and that is fine and you can you can rest in that and daniel and daniel radcliffe agrees with you yes yeah, see so it's it's good and that, that's all i really want to say is like you can separate the art from the artist it sucks and like if that's not your jam that's fine you don't have to but if you're you're really struggling with it well as someone who makes art please hold on to whatever it is that brought you joy and life and don't like it's it's like a child really it's like it stands on its own well it's like i mean it's like any relationship like people are complicated you can love someone for various things and have had your life changed positively by your relationship with them and they could still be a really shitty person. Like, there's, yes. like, a lot of people I know who are, like, super bad partners and super great parents. These things can both yeah. be true at the same time. J.K. Rowling can be transphobic and, like, anti-Semitic in her writing. And, like, uh, but, like, and Dumbledore can be, like, a really bad, like, mentor image. But, right. like, the journey of, like, finding yourself and getting out and, like, getting that confidence is still really powerful and... Like, if that was meaningful to you, then, like, savor that. Enjoy it. Like, these things yeah. can both be true at the same time. Yep. Yep. This is my, this is my constant, like, drum. Yes. Two things can be true at the same time. Exactly. 
if you learn nothing else from this episode from this podcast in general from this entire podcast two things can be true simultaneously and you know it sucks and it's hard to carry sometimes but it's true i think they both exist i think one of the like marks of intellectual maturity is being able to understand that being able to like love something and critique it simultaneously and not like outright reject it yeah or like reject appropriately but also like keep what was good i don't know i'm just yeah rambling now (laughs) yeah it's a it's a hard thing and you know you have to do whatever it is that feels right to you but i just wanted to say you can hold both of these things that's fine it doesn't make you bad you can still love harry potter it's okay it's okay Okay, thank you. Thank you for sitting with us through that. Thank you for your patience as we've, like, navigated sparse episodes the last couple of months. Um, hopefully, now that Kieran's internet is, like, back to normal and you're yeah. on good health insurance and not, like, on constantly fluctuating hormones, we can record normally again. Yeah, I'm excited to, like, be able to rely on a base ability to function. I'm so looking forward to like, this future. <laughs> actually having Maslow's hierarchy of needs met so you can like create art is pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good it's a good new world out here. Can I make an extra little plug here? Yeah. I'm probably gonna be fine for the next six weeks. I'm probably gonna be able to like get some freelance gigs going and maybe file for unemployment. But if you would like to you know, chip in to help me get through August while I try to dive back into this book. My Venmo is at H A Ettinger, and um, you know, don't, don't feel pressured. But just like if that feels like something you want to do, um, I would not turn that down. So thank you. <laughs> oh my god! And the kitten, <laughs> the kitten loves you too. The kitten agrees. Please support the new kitten also. <laughs> oh my god. She's like trying to climb up your sheets. In I've, the got, back. I've got it like a comforter. Adorable. I've got a comforter draped over the door to like dampen noise and she's trying to climb up it. Yeah. It's so good. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Um, if you want to support the podcast, we are on Patreon at patreon.com slash kitchen table cult pod. You will get access to the Slack where we talk and have fun and share cat and chicken photos. Um, so many, so many cat photos, so many like void black cat photos is great. Yes. If you have questions for us or for Eve's mom, email us kitchentablecult at gmail.com. You can find everything else on our website, which is kitchentablecult.com. As always, thank you so much to Dave for being our wonderful producer and editing these episodes. Um, And thank you to the band The Heavens for the music um, that you hear on this podcast from their album Stonazo. And thank you for listening and being here for all of this and enjoying the little cat sounds. (laughs) Yeah, I gotta let her outside. All right, love you guys. Bye. Bye. (laughs)